Greetings. Welcome to the Dividing Line. My name is James White, along with uh, Rich Pierre behind the uh, the controls, um, trying as best he can to rehabilitate the uh, the uh, reputation of the French people. Tall mountain to climb. <laughs> Tall mountain to climb. Really, really rough. I'm. I'm I thought I'd, I'd, you know, bring you along into the introduction, you know, and uh, I mean, you're you working hard in there or hardly working, one of the two, I'm not sure which, you know, but, you know, I mean, it's rough days. Uh, neither one of us knows where you can get home, you know, so <laughs> you just want to make sure one, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. And we'll take a lot of them with, them, with us if, if we don't, so uh, that's sort of how that's working. Um I commented on um, a video that people are now seeing uh, where this guy runs up behind this woman, uh, this Mark Dice, and, you know, she's walking along, of course, wearing her mask, you know, doing her virtue signaling, and then he actually asks her to get down on her knees and ask for forgiveness for her white privilege and she does now could that have been staged of course of course um it could have been i don't know whether it was or wasn't the scary thing is i think in a lot of places today if this were to happen in reality and it may have uh that would be the kind of reaction that you would get and i added a, I said, just a note, not a good idea to rush up behind me or a lot of my fellow Americans right now could result in sudden onset violent lead poisoning, uh, which, you know, someone coming up behind you. If you haven't, if you've been living in a lead mine and you haven't been watching the beatings, the people come up behind people and just cold cocking them, just taking them right out right then and there, um, you haven't been paying attention. Of course, I'm not going to be walking along where this lady was walking, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, probably not alone. Um, but what we're seeing um, and the reactions that we're getting, because I, I, I haven't looked yet, um, but I, I, I sort of rhetorically asked yesterday uh, if Ed Stetzer uh, had uh, withdrawn his... Um, wild and crazy tweet uh that he had uh, that he had posted and uh, yeah i don't i don't i don't see that uh i don't see that he has i i really wouldn't suggest i wouldn't really wouldn't expect that he that he would but we are seeing such a scattered response. There's not. There's not a unified Christian response to what's going on. That's that's because there's not a unified Christian understanding, and that's not because of scriptural insufficiency. That is because of human tradition. Uh, in fact, I think this is a beautiful illustration of the importance of sola scriptura. If you if you cannot see how external traditions and beliefs and authorities are determining exactly how people are responding to the current crisis, then you're just not looking. If you actually think that the Bible can be twisted and turned in all these dozens of different directions, and on the one hand have such clear 
I mean, just inarguable statements about human behavior, God's law, um, which which includes property rights and safety. And uh, we were talking on the last program, the, the, the need to have multiple witnesses. And uh, we looked at Exodus 22 and the fact that someone tries to break into your house and you crack them over the head and they die. That's what you get for breaking into somebody's house. Uh, I mean, just straightforward. So you, you've got you've got that, and you don't have anything in the New Testament that changes any of that. You don't have any. There, there's just no way to go. Well, that was just for Israel. Yeah. Okay. Um, a certain offering on a certain feast day was only for Israel. The moral content of how human beings are to live amongst other human beings wasn't just for Israel. And if you want to see the evidence of that, then just look at at Leviticus chapter 18 and the fact that the nations were cast out of the land for certain behaviors that are then repeated in their being prohibited to the people of Israel. But the land cast them out for having done these things. So there was application outside the people of Israel to these things. There are certain moral realities that simply cannot be escaped. So you've got that level of clarity, and then you have others who are literally running about saying that to follow Jesus is to march with the protesters. Now, if all you're talking about, if all you're talking about is to do what Jeff and Luke did on Apologia Radio last week, broke down what happened with the Floyd murder, and said, yeah, this is murder. Okay, that's, that's straightforward. There, well, isn't it amazing? I think someone panicked, because there was pretty much complete unanimity. Everybody all agreed, yep. That guy was that guy was in the wrong. That there needs to be charges filed, and you you you. I didn't see anybody running around saying, "Oh, that, that cop needed to do exactly what he did." And I didn't see that. You had everybody together, and I think that panicked people. We can't have unity like this. We need to divide. We need to we need to get a race war going, and that's what they did. Um, and so. You literally have people who are saying, well, you know, uh, in fact, there was this one guy, and I tweeted to him. I don't know that I got a response. I haven't been able to find a response. But uh, some professor at Midwestern, I think, I think it was at Midwestern, um, where he, he basically said, we're, we're, we're reaping what we've sown. Well, yeah, in the sense of sinful rebellion, uh, detestation of God's law, love of rebellion against God's law. So we love the perversion of the marriage bed. We love the murder of unborn children. We, we love all, all kinds of things that are just directly opposed to God's uh, will. And we make these goods in our society. They're good things. It's, it's, it's a good thing to do this kind of stuff. Um, gender confusion, and we're abusing our children, and, and, and all the rest of this kind of stuff. Um, if you mean that kind of reaping, yeah, but it looked like the context was uh, 
in regards to the looting, I mean, in regards to an SUV running police officers over last night, um, in regards to a Las Vegas police officer being shot in the back of the head, he has since passed away, um, that we are reaping what we have sown. In other words, social justice. The social justice movement, the neo-Marxist social justice movement, intersectionality, all of this stuff has invaded over the past number of years. It became really clear in early 2018 with the MLK 50 celebrations. That's all, it's all of a sudden when the words that were being used became understandable to us slow people. It's not that I hadn't had Vody Balcom on in 2010, I think, um, talking about ethnic Gnosticism and stuff like that. But we're slow. And it took time to go, whoa, you mean that? You mean, I mean, that will just destroy, that. Dis- that's like battery acid. It, it would destroy churches. It would destroy societies. Yep, that's what it's designed to do. That's its intention. I mean, it is perfectly designed to do exactly what it is doing right now. Break everything down, destroy everything, make every person separate from every other person. My needs in contrast to your needs. Break everything down that used to bind us together, that used to allow us to overlook differences, to work together. Blow all of that right out the door. And once it's all gone and you've got utter chaos, then you rebuild it the way you want to rebuild it, which would be a socialist utopia, which, of course, doesn't exist. No such thing as a socialist uh, utopia. Um, Once socialism gets that point, it becomes communism, and we know what communism results in. There is no communist or socialist utopia because of something called sin. Okay? Just doesn't work. Can't work, won't happen. Um, but with the technological advancements that have been made, uh, if you go along, bow the knee, uh, then you can live. You, you can't have freedom. You can't think differently. You can be, you, it's a drone. But you can live. You can have physical life. If that's all... That's all. It's, you know, that's uh, the best you can do. Uh, that's what you got in China, and that's what people want to bring here. And they're working right now to accomplish that, right before our eyes, right before our eyes. That's what's happening. And um, the church is silent, or is on the side of tear it all down. This is this is terrible. I mean, when you think about it. I'm hearing so many people saying, we, we just got to start all over again. The Constitution's done. Get rid of it. And you go, what are you going to replace it with? And anything you're going to replace it with is going to be based upon a secular worldview, which has no basis whatsoever for, for transcendent values, for true liberty, for true justice. And yet, I, all these Christians, self-proclaimed Christians, helping to promote this, either out of sheer naivete or 
very devious intentions and purposes. Um, but that's where that's where we are. And because obviously, in nineteen ninety, if this if this had been tried in nineteen ninety, it would have failed because the the groundwork, the preparation hadn't been done yet. They're working on it. They're getting in positions of being able to do it. But it hadn't been done yet. And anybody with a Bible in their hand would go, whoa, wait a minute. No, we, we have to stand firm. But they've had 30 years there to be working. And now they're in positions of leadership and they're doing their doing their tweet things, and so you got more, and you got Stetzer, and you got these folks out there doing their thing, and, and uh, yeah, pretty effective, pretty effective. They've, um, so we'll see what's going to happen. Um, I, I don't know what the future holds. I just, again, have said the same thing for a long, long time. Our, our job is to determine what faithfulness looks like in any given situation we're placed in. And that situation can change radically. And that's my problem. And some of you are like me. I don't like change. In fact, um, <coughs> there was a uh, there was a word of the day recently. There it is. Got to, uh, ever since I've done the Sweater vest dialogues with Doug. I, I need. I've, I've gotten the word for the day going, so I can at least. I, I got to come up with something, you know, because when you're talking with Doug Wilson, he's just going to make you look like your vocabulary. You have a vocabulary of a five year old. Um, Misoneism, misoneism, hatred or dislike of what is new or represents changes. Misoneism, so. Miseo is to hate, so neism must be something new. So hatred of what's new. So misoneism, yeah. And then um, yesterday was Scytherism. Starts with a P. Scytherism. The sound of the wind through trees. I like Scytherism. I really, really do like Scytherism. Which is why I live in a place that only has one tree and a bunch of cacti. <laughs> so that way I can continue to like Scytherism when I get to go north and enjoy it. But anyway, misoneism, that's me. I'm a misoneist. I just don't like change. And, but we got change coming, and it's, uh, it's coming at us uh, really fast. Um, over the weekend, Supreme Court uh, declined 5-4 to four to take a case from a church in California seeking an injunction to grant them uh, immediate uh, relief from the burdensome, onerous restrictions of the governor of California. Um, remember, remember a couple weeks ago, <laughs> we were we were all about to die of a virus instead of being killed by mobs. That was just a couple weeks ago. Hard, hard to realize, hard to remember. Uh, things are moving so fast uh, that. Um, the, 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 the big subject conversation back then uh, was um, something that, and this has been buried. This would have been the top story. But did you see the Italian uh, reports? The Italians say that 
uh, coronavirus in Italy is dead. It has lost the ability to infect anyone. Now, I don't know if that's due to uh, herd immunity. I, I didn't follow what was being said, but Italian medical experts were saying it's basically a non-issue in Italy now. There was a report about a month ago from the Israelis yes. saying that they were reading it, that it had about a 70-day life to it. Yeah, yeah. That one of these things where it suddenly just disappears. So in other words, if we just let it run its course, yeah. we would have been done with it a long time ago, and that would have been right. it. Right. Right. And, that, and the Italians are basically saying that. No one's talking about this because everything else is going on. But isn't it funny that right as this is happening, all this other stuff starts happening? Oh, no, this is, this is all coincidental, Sean. It's, it's all what? It's all coincidental. Oh, I know. This, I, every, this, it, no, it, there's no, no, absolutely no. all those pallets of bricks and rocks yeah. that are showing up in the city and stuff. Complete, maybe aliens. The, the, the part maybe that aliens that want us to rebuild. The part that I found most fascinating was also the cars with no license plates that were staged. Oh, well, and the then the, that big old bus that looked like it yeah. was from a, a child care place. Yeah. And Came filled right with, from... with, with Molotov cocktail makings. Yeah. Isn't that great? It's just it's so random that this stuff would all be happening at once. Yeah. Maybe the Chaos Theory guys can come yeah. up with an explanation. Yeah. yeah. Chaos Theory. The guy from uh, Jurassic Park. Yes. Because yeah. he mentioned fractals, by the way, and I, th- I thought that was always cool. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> if you haven't noticed the sarcasm, it's, it's because it's, it's obviously not random. Um, none of this is. But, um, yeah, do you remember just a matter of weeks ago we were talking about this? And the restrictions are still in place. And outside the U.S., this is still a major topic. Um, but we've pretty much forgotten about it. And all the looters are st- Isn't it wonderful that we... <laughs> Back in February, don't buy masks because we don't have enough for our medical people. And now we have enough for hundreds of thousands of looters because they're all wearing masks. And I can guarantee you it's not because they're afraid of coronavirus. That's not why they're wearing masks. No, that's, that's, not, that's not what's going on. Oh, goodness. Um, anyway, back to the Supreme Court. The way it was first announced certainly made me go, oh, lovely. Roberts joined the four liberals, and the minority dissenting opinions were rather scathing. It, this was not a Supreme Court case. When it's, it's not the same thing. I mean, because they even said that the plaintiffs would be free to refile petition if anything had changed. So this is not like it's a, it's not like a precedent setting thing or, or something like that. But um, it was disappointing. It might be that Roberts looked at it and realized it was not not the case to use for whatever reason. I don't know. Uh, that's a possibility, but we still have these onerous. Restrictions, not only in the United States, but I know in at least one other country where I have a lot of connections. Um, 
Very onerous restrictions. So much so that even though some liberty has been given for the churches to, to meet, the restrictions are so extreme that a lot of churches are like, that's, that's not meeting. Um, you know, having one person in a chair over there, and one person in a chair over there, and one person down front, um, and no singing, um, and sign language only. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, you might as well meet online uh, in, that, in that situation. Um, there's no, no reason to get together is the thought at that point. So this continues all around the world, even where there's not uh, violence taking place and um, burning cities down and, and that kind of uh, thing uh, going on. And so um, we will see what's going to develop from that. My concern, obviously, is we have become so accustomed to running the, um, the algebra, the numbers, on the court, not realizing that means our system is no longer working. The, 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 the founders never intended the court to have the role that it has right now. That was not what they intended. And the fact that we now make presidential decisions and sometimes solely based on what the balance of the Supreme Court would look like, not realizing the Constitution does not determine the number of justices on the Supreme Court. Uh, Roosevelt tried to pack the court to get his agenda through. Um, the leftists have already said that's exactly what we're going to do. As soon as we have control, we pack the court. And at that point, you just need to understand, once you fill the Supreme Court with individuals who believe the Constitution is a living document, please understand what living document means. That sounds so wonderful. It sounds so really scholarly. What it means is we don't have to worry about no stinking words on a page. We can make up anything we want. We can do anything we want. That's what the living document thing is all about. And once you, all you got to do is say, okay, we're going to, uh, we're going to make it 15 judges. And so now it's 11 to four, uh, our side. And whatever we want the Constitution to say, that's it. It's done. Finished. Finito. Nothing, nothing more to be said. And what do we do then? Yes. If I recall, Roosevelt had a supermajority in both houses. And even the leftists of his day thought that was a bridge too far and stopped him from doing it. Yeah. So, but I look around now and it's like all bets are off. Oh, yeah. Who? It's, 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 it's the wild, wild west. If you've got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez literally sending out instructions as to what to bring to the protest. Right. Um, so you can pick up smoke canisters and throw them back at the cops. The enemies are not outside the gates. No. They're, they're in right. charge of the government. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, Trojan horse is already empty. Yep. Trojan horse is emptied out. The gate, the, 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 it's open and they're running them yeah, up among us. There we are. It's, um, yeah. 
Yeah, so to be honest with you, um, I'm not sure that all the stuff we were really, really, really concerned about in regards to government overreach just a few weeks ago is going to make any difference. Um, Because, uh, look, it's 2020. It's an election year. This is all happening in an election year. This is all intended to influence the outcome of that election. Everybody knew that if you go into the election in November of 2020 um, with unemployment at record lows, uh, employment amongst minorities at record highs, um, and your candidate can't remember where he is uh, for the other side, they're they're not going to win. And so somebody hit the panic button and said, okay, let's take this place apart. And that's exactly what they've done. And so now we're doing the mail-in stuff. <clears throat> I personally will not accept the validity of a... If, if you can, as it has been well said, if you can show up in person to loot, you can show up in person to vote. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. It's, there, there is a sad level of ironic truth to that statement. Um, well, obviously... Uh, I'm I'm well aware of that, um, but uh, there there you go. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen in November. Um, I don't see any good choices at all. I continue to stick by my statement that I cannot believe that Joe Biden is going to be on the ticket in November. I, the only way would be if he doesn't basically have to say anything between now and November. Because I've listened to the man talk. He cannot string three sentences together without wandering off and talking about his hairy legs or something. The man is not functional. It's, I don't know how anybody can argue that. He is not mentally functional. And so at some point, he's going to have to come out and say, folks, uh, my, my dear loved ones have come to me as if, it, as if they shouldn't have already done that. Um, and I don't know what they're going to do. I don't, I don't know if there is a process in place. I have no earthly idea, but I just can't believe it's going to be him. But whatever happens, even if Donald Trump were reelected, all that means is we've got four more years of this kind of insanity. Because it has become very, very plain that just as in every other socialist revolution, the left is willing to take the nation into utter destruction so as to get their way. That's, that's what they've done every time in the past. It only takes... It's interesting. There is a parallel here. Um, there, I, was, I was listening to some discussion on Islam, and the percentage of Muslims in a society that is considered to be the minimum to begin to move it towards Sharia law. It's not 
a large percentage. It's not 50%. It's not 70%. It's somewhere between 11 and 15%. And interesting parallels to what's going on now. The vast majority of Americans are not running through streets. The vast majority of Americans are not burning down buildings. The vast majority of Americans want to work and watch football and send their kids to school and whatever and get to go stop at Wendy's on the way home. I mean, that, that's, that's what they want. And they're not out there doing all this stuff. They're not the ones that make the decisions, though. And when you get a sufficiently large minority to be willing to destroy, that you change everything. You change everything. Um, we already know with the Equality Act, and now we're seeing, fo- folks, New Year's was not that long ago. Really, it was not that long ago. And we have seen such radical change in such a fast time. This happens elsewhere in the world. When we, you know, we, we look out at other nations and we, we go, man, I, I remember... Italy at one point had had more governments since World War II than there had been years since World War II. And we look at that and go, oh, man, that, that, that's hard on the economy. You, you can never really get anywhere without that. The blessed consistency that we have had as a result of the Constitution. Well, that kind of stuff can change quickly. And how quickly? Well, we're watching it. We're in the middle of it. We're in the middle of it. So all that foundational stuff that we've been talking about for a long, long time, man, I'll tell you, I'm getting really focused on it again, because no matter what we're facing, that's going to be absolutely vitally important for all of us. We have to have foundations upon which to have principles by which we will respond to whatever situation it is we see coming at us. And... One of the big challenges for us as American Christians is we have grown up and become accustomed to the blessings of freedom and liberty. We have many of our brothers and sisters who live in lands that do not have freedom and liberty. What if we lose ours? What do we do then? What are we going to give up? What are we going to be willing to give up? What's our principles? We can't offer the pinch of incense to, to Caesar. And so, remember, I don't know when it was, just over the past number of months, remember I read from the letter of Cyprian to the Christians in the mines? When, when you hear something like that, when you hear about Christians who have suffered the loss of everything, they're separated from their loved ones, their, their, their husbands, their wives, their children— they have nothing. The, the, they, they wear rags and eat grubs. And you look at that and you go, whoa, they were wonderful. I'm glad that could never happen here. It's almost like it's an unreal thing. Like, like it just, that, that could never, uh, God would never call me to something like that. Yeah. You just triggered a memory a number of years ago when we were in the midst of a controversy. Um, you 
reminded those who were running around fearfully explaining what. Oh, got you in there. That's not good. Let's try this again. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, both cameras, red lights are on. How's that? Okay. So anyway, yeah. I'm <laughs> not sure what to do here. You you were reminding people who were screaming bloody murder about how we were um, playing footsie with Islam and how Islam was going to take over and all this other stuff. And you were reminding people that the secularists were by far and away a bigger threat. Oh, yeah. And here we are. Oh, yeah. Look around, people. Look around, wake up. The secularists are the ones who want you under their boot. And they have the ability to do it. That's the key. They have the ability to do it, and they're showing us it. Just a glimpse of it. You know, as I as I think about um, the threat of Chinese-style technocratic totalitarianism. You know that a system like that, because it is based upon the suppression of the knowledge of God and therefore fundamentally denies man being made in the image of God, it cannot last. It it contains within itself the seeds of its own self-destruction. The Chinese communists are particularly pernicious and dangerous because of the fact that they have actually realized that the Soviet Union blew it because they it was so painfully obvious that you had the elites, you know, like Animal Farm, you had the animals that were more equal than the other animals. You had the elites and they just left the vast majority of the people in in bankrupt poverty. So what the Chinese are doing is, hey, we've got to give the people toys. We've got to give them bread and circuses. We've got to give them health care. We've got to give them a nice place, maybe a car, uh, video games. Um, and most people will trade their liberty and their freedom and their individuality for video games. So when you're in China, you know, th- and this story is years old now, but the, the social crediting system, you're walking down the grocery aisle and the cameras are literally watching what you're putting into your cart and you are getting credit and, de- and demerit depending upon the balanced nature of what you're purchasing in the grocery store. And you put up with it. And you actually go, yeah, I'm okay with that because they then, you know, they take care of me when I get sick and they, you know, I, I'm never without food and um, that's, that's good enough for me. And so the, the question is how long could it last given the technical capacity to basically know everything about everyone Every action, every word. Um, how long could that last is the question. Man, I didn't want to be talking about all this stuff. Uh, but these are things I think about because I'm thinking about the future. I'm not looking toward the past. Um, right now in our society, we're, our heads are being dragged toward the past. 
we got to deal with what happened in the past. Meanwhile, we're running directly into a brick wall called Chinese Communist Party, CCP. Um, but we're not allowed to look forward. Got to be looking back because you've got to get on your knees and beg for forgiveness for something that allegedly your ancestors did, even though mine came from Scotland. Anyway, uh, you know, you've got to beg forgiveness for, for uh, white privilege and for just being who you are and, and all that kind of stuff. So you got to look back, 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 right off the cliff into the future. That's that's what we are. That's what we're facing. Um, and uh, it's it's going to be a challenge. Now, I totally spaced this yesterday, and I, I apologize for having done so. But on um, Thursday and Friday of last week, Chris Arnzen, uh, the world famous host of Iron Sharpens Iron. We can only hope to someday um, have the the just the, the the acclaim in the broadcasting world that uh, Iron Sharpen, Sharpens Iron has, and of course the perfect announcer voice of Chris Arnzen. Um, just, uh, you know, just, we all look up to Chris in that way. Uh, just want to be like him someday. Um, <laughs> I can hear him laughing even now. <laughs> anyway, um, Chris worked for, like, I think he said once, like a year to put together a debate. Now, what I heard at the very end of the debate is it's not over. They're going to do a third program at some point, hopefully fairly soon, uh, where audience questions can be handled because there wasn't time for audience questions in in what was uh, done. But Don Preston uh, and Mr. Frost um, debated the subject of hyper-preterism. And man, there's, there, are, there are so many questions uh, that that encounter uh, raised that were not answered um, for me, especially because you know I'm familiar with the outlines of hyperpreterism. Of the two days, the second to me was, and just look up Iron Sharpens Iron, Chris Arnzen, um grab the archive of this because it is uh, really, really well worth listening to the uh, the encounter. The second day was most helpful for me. Um, both days tended to get a little bogged down, I thought, in some uh, less than helpful weed tromping through some obscure passages. I mean, when you sit back and listen to the second day, the, the fundamental point that I got from Preston's uh, presentation was that the primary context in which 1 Corinthians chapter 15 has to be interpreted is Hosea 13. And that's not the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Um, and so the actual meaning of agnosticism, the actual issue that uh, Paul is addressing with the Corinthians, all that just sort of gets lost, and you get this framework 
this complex framework uh, based upon time passages and things like that uh, is put together by Preston that then takes over everything. Thankfully, in the process of having this discussion, um, Frost, who is a who used to sort of be Preston's right hand man, they spoke at the same conferences, things like that. But he's come out of hyperpreterism. Thankfully, he brought out the fact that once, and and this is true from a number of different perspectives. I've seen this. I've seen people fall into this stuff from a lot of different directions. You get the idea that you have seen something that no one else has ever seen. Because it, it seems like Preston did admit that pretty much the only people that have ever seen this has been he and his group. And everybody else has been wrong from the start on this. And once you really convince yourself of that, that that's... Yeah, I'm I'm the I'm the only one that's gotten this. Then to make it work, to continue to make it work as it becomes questioned and cross-examined, um, fundamental, central doctrines get sacrificed, and so the idea of the resurrection body of Jesus becomes totally redefined in hyperpreterism in this form. That's the other part. That's the other problem is. This form of hyperpreterism, so I'm sure somebody else has a different form and takes a different, you know, you've got all these different perspectives that could be taken. But thankfully it came out, Preston did basically say, that if I understood him correctly, he was saying that Jesus rose the self-same body in which he died, and he ascended in that body, but... He no longer has that body. If I was understanding where he was, he was making the assertion that there was a true physical resurrection of the body, but Jesus doesn't have that body any longer. He's put aside somehow. If you're familiar with Jehovah's Witnesses, they say the same thing. Uh, either his body was dissolved into gases or it's on display as a memorial to, Yah- to Jehovah's love somewhere in the universe or something like that. But, but, he is no longer the God-man, even though Preston would say, oh, yes, he is, because a man doesn't have to have a physical body. So there is this whole, a complete overthrow of what anastasis means um, and the importance of physical resurrection, saying, well, but obviously Jesus was still a man, before the physical resurrection, while he was in the grave, he's still a man, uh, even though he went and proclaimed the spirits in prison, so on and so forth. So, but the point being that God made us to be a body-soul unity, and that's why the resurrection is so important, that it's an unnatural state to be disembodied, and that's why the resurrection is going to take place. But at least that came out with a fair amount of clarity, and so you could start seeing just how many cardinal, central aspects of the faith are sacrificed to just maintain this one framework system. And in the first uh, program, it was brought up that, you know, from this perspective, we are in the eternal state. There is, there is nothing, this is just how it's going to keep on going, 
and going and going and going. We're in the eternal state. And you're just like, oh, great. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a bad thing. Um, what are all the ramifications that would have to come from that? There, there, would, be, there would be a lot of them. Um, so it's... it's it, I'm really thankful that it was done. I'm looking forward to the third program. It will help. I think a lot of people could be very confused by it because it is just so far outside of what anybody is accustomed to that, you know, I mean, I'm not saying don't go and listen to it. Yeah, go ahead and listen to it. But you might find it somewhat difficult to follow because it's all bets are off. Let's just put it that way. Uh, the, the foundations are completely different. And um, the debate was not designed to give you the background to really understand it. It, it, would, it would almost be worth the effort to, to have somebody do a program that would give you a clear summary statement of what the issues are uh, so that once the debate starts, you're like, oh, okay, well, that's why that guy is concerned about this or that or the other thing and it might be helpful along those lines. But uh, it was uh, very, very, very uh, interesting uh, to me. And um, so I wanted to make mention of it, make reference to it and um, go from there. Um, I did, and I, I forgot to uh, I forgot to pull it up, but evidently there are some uh, new um, resources uh, being uh, presented in defense of Ken Wilson's dissertation, and one of them I found really, really, really interesting. Um. And I'm going to be doing some some digging into this, but uh, there is a book called Nag Hammadi and Manichaean Studies. There's a second book. Uh, well, that's the that's the series. I'm sorry. The, there's a book called Augustine and Manichaean Christianity, edited by Johannes von Ort from Brill, 2013. And um, what caught my attention was one of the contributors to this book that is being promoted um, by Leighton Flowers and, and others. And I haven't had a chance to be looking at all the other contributors as yet. I'm going to be digging into, you know, where these people teach and what their teachings are and, and things like that. Because a couple of them, the name's making me going, huh. But the first name that caught my attention and made me chuckle was Jason David Badoon. Jason David Badoon. And why would I... He has a... Um, chapter called Not to Depart from Christ, Augustine Between Manichaean and Catholic Christianity. Um, and if the name Bedoun does not ring any bells with you, uh, 
that would indicate that you probably have not done a lot of work in the field of Jehovah's Witnesses. If you have, then you know what? Yes, you can go to aomin.org. Uh, what? What? I, but it, what, what's the lot? What's the lot? The most recent article on that? Eleven years ago. Oh, Mike Porter. Yeah, Mike Porter had been doing stuff on that. Yeah. Um, Dr. Badoon teaches up at Northern Arizona State University. has for a long time. So just up the road from us here in Phoenix. And the only thing I've known about him, other than he's clearly rapidly opposed to Christian orthodoxy, um, was the fact that he's one of the few people who has... Uh, risen in defense of the New World Translation of Jehovah's Witnesses, which is a horrific mistranslation of the New Testament, uh, biased to the nth degree, um, filled with doctrinaire mistranslations, and yet defended by Jason Badoon of Northern Arizona State University. So, lo and behold, not to depart from Christ, Augustine between Manichaean and Catholic Christianity, Augustine's debt to Manichaeism, Augustine's mediating position between Manichaeism and Catholic Christianity by Jason David Badoon. So, I'm just wondering, you know, I just got hold of this material, and I'm, I'm just wondering, once, because see, let, let's, let's leave Augustine to the side for just a moment. There is a tremendous body of literature that exists out there that is directed at the Apostle Paul. The anti-Pauline corpus of literature is huge, much larger than most Christians have any, any idea of. And you can, you can put together quite a bibliography of people who will go after uh, Paul for any number of things. I mean, when you write that many books in the New Testament, you're going to have people coming after you. And, and, of course, you can then create alleged internal contradictions with him. You can mess around with his canon, what he did and didn't write, allegedly. There's just so... If you're looking for a dissertation topic... And they generally want you writing on something that no one's written on before. Uh, that's, that's the best way in the world to create heresy. Uh, Paul is just the best, best guy to go after. And so I've gotten accustomed to the methodologies of the anti-Pauline uh, type people. And they tend to quote from each other and sort of create sort of a, a cabal, you know, uh, type of a thing. And you just start getting an idea of what these, these folks are, are like. And uh, so I just have a feeling that as I dig into this, I'm going to get a, a good idea that we're, we're, we're drawing from a particular spectrum of, of folks here. Now, let me just look here real quick. Yeah, he's still at Northern Arizona University. 
<laughs> yeah, Van Ort, University of Pretoria, shut down. Um, yeah. Um, to, to say that the University of Pretoria is on the left-hand side of things is to say that Bernie Sanders does not wear a MAGA hat. Okay? Sort of an obvious, straightforward thing. Um, so yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be, um, this is going to be interesting. Uh, my experience is that once you come up with a theory that has a theological foundation to it, in the sense that you're, you're trying to promote a, a theological position, you will end up being attracted to the sources that will help you to substantiate that theory. And fundamentally, the history of the church tells us that when you align yourself with those who are seeking to emphasize the capacities of man, you will end up in forms of rank liberalism. Or as I I prefer today, rank leftism, because liberal comes from a term that is no longer descriptive of the left politically or theologically. Just look at Union Theological Seminary. It was liberal. It's not liberal anymore. Because liberalism allows for the expression of multiple perspectives. You don't, you don't get to do that at a leftist seminary today. It's just not going to happen. Um, so I'll definitely be looking at... Um, uh, what is, uh, especially what uh, Dr. Badoon has to say, and see what kind of background there is to uh, uh, to these things. And uh, I just remind you that at aomin.org, uh, uh, Brother Chris continues to post materials there. Um, I've gotten a lot of people who have been commenting on how helpful they have found uh, the inquiries to be the discussion especially, and that's certainly what I wanted, the discussion of background materials and especially how to do fair, unbiased, um, as best as you can, anyways, uh, study of church history, uh, to not abuse the early church fathers, but to allow them to be who they were, to appreciate them for who they were in the context where they, where they lived, um, so that hopefully you yourself, should you ever become an author, um, will be treated um, <laughs> will be tre- will be treated kindly. I just I just looked over at my uh, Twitter feed, uh, and by the way, for those of you who are interested, there is um, there is a new forum that has come online. That, and you're all like, yeah, we've heard of all these before. That's true. But I'm starting to see more and more and more people showing up. And stuff that I'm writing there is getting a thousand views. And that's not up to where, it's not up to Twitter yet. It's not up to Facebook yet. But it's called Parler, P A R L E R. Um, maybe that's French, Parler. <laughs> I'll do that for Rich. Um, 
What? I, and we're all we're all talking about our ethnicities these days, and so you know, I you know, did, you, did, you, did you just not want it known that you're French? He got off the boat in 1777. It was a sergeant in Lafayette's army. I'll have you know. So there, there you go. See, I won't. Let's not talk about any of France's many many defeats since then. But that's okay. Um, things have changed. Things, things. To, let's just say Napoleon was the high water mark, and he wasn't very tall. <laughs> so there you go. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, parlor. Uh, it's sort of a mix between the two. Instead of two hundred, see on on Facebook, you can write a book. I'm not, I'm not really even sure what the actual maximum length is. There is a maximum length. I was not sure what it is, but you can you can put a lot into an article on Facebook. And of course, Twitter is 280 characters. Uh, Parlor is 1,000, 1,000 characters. So that's that's a couple paragraphs. It's not all, it's not long, but you can say a whole lot more, and you can put your pictures and stuff like that, and and do your your thing. I've been trying to be wise and not use the term a lot on Twitter and Facebook because I sort of have a feeling they're not really happy if you do things like that. I'd assume I don't know, but uh, my at. ID in parlor is Eleutheros, E-L-E-U-T-H-E-R-O-S. It's Greek for freed. Um, it was a term that uh, Luther actually used for himself. In fact, he signed letters uh, using the same same one. Um, that just that just happened um, when I signed up, and I decided I liked it better than Doctor Oakley sixteen eighty nine. Uh, and I'll be honest with you, part of the reasons for that. Is not only is it a biblical term, of course, used many times in the New Testament, but the 1689 part, I've just had so many people that also had a 1689 in their ID that just ripped my face off that I was like, eh, I think we'll, I think we'll dump that for now. Um, but uh, so, what? What were you going all about? Well, um, our good friend. Colin Smith has uh, pointed out that apparently it is a French term to speak. Well, yeah, parler means to yeah, speak. Parler. So I mean, you know, it's supposed to be how it would be pronounced, is what he's saying. Yeah, parler. Now, I do plan. Parlez-vous français? Uh, See, un peu, um, un peu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will be setting up an Aomen org account over there, and. You're you're actually already way ahead of me in how that thing works over there and being able to make it propagate over to Facebook and stuff like that. So I've got some catching. Oh, up I don't to know how to get to propagate to anything. I just yeah. copy and paste. Uh, I'm oh, well, there's rock that. and stick level <laughs> right you're now. Just working harder. Um, so, and by the way, uh, I am told this morning that we are very very close to migrating the new aomen.org site over. Great. Too right as the world's ending, we're finally going to get a new website. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. good timing. So we've, we've assembled, assembled a really good team of guys that are uh, working good. hard to make it happen. So good. just thought I'd mention that. Good. All right. Yeah, so if you want to come over, give me a follow. Uh, I'm trying to do searches and follow other people and stuff so that we can get conversations going and stuff. But uh, parlez, uh, if we're going to do the French thing, uh, parlez. I studied French. For a year, and I got A's in it, but I was taking 
German at the same time, and I had already taken three years of German before that. And so the German just blew the French right out of my mind. And it, there's a real easy understanding of why it did. When you pronounce German, you pronounce the whole word. When you pronounce French, you pronounce about a third of the word. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Uh, uh, let me see. Je parle, tu parles, il parle. Nous parlons, vous parlez, il parle. Right? Did I, did I conjugate to speak correctly? But each one of those parles were spelled differently. But they sounded the same. Only nous parlons and vous parlez looked, sounded a little bit different. Um, it's so contextual. It's so contextual. Uh, ich spreche, du sprichst. Nah, it's German, straightforward, much easier for my mind to memorize and to keep. And so the French went uh, right out the door, and the German said, no. Vive, vive, we chased the little Frenchman away. That's what, that's what it did. So that's what happened to my French. It went, and it's beautiful to listen to. It really is, uh, but it just didn't. It just didn't stick. So, anyway, I looked over and you had liked a, a, a tweet from Scotty Crawford, um, Doctor Ugly sixteen A nine, and Richard C Pierce are national treasures and must be protected. Great dividing line so far. <laughs> must be protected. Hmm. I think we can protect ourselves just fine. Well, that's, that's, uh, that is something much. that uh, we are prepared to do. <laughs> yes, yes. I do want to remind folks also that Pastor Rob Brunanski has also now joined uh, the contributors at AMN.org, and I expect to see his first article rather soon. Oh, yes, yes. And um, so, Rob, is, he, is that going to be the notes from the, the, the response to Jonathan Lehman? Yes. Good, because uh, I have some friends in another country that yes. really, really want that information, so it's, that's going to be good to have up there. Uh, so don't forget about AOMN.org. We may, in the... <laughs> that'll be our last bastion. You know, that'll be our last bastion, is um, uh, finding offshore what means of communication and Things like that. Um, that that you know. So I, I had even started, and I tried to. It's just so hard. To do, it just takes so long to link in social media to the blog, and then put the main body at the blog because you're less likely to get bounced off of for social media if you're linking to stuff that their bots aren't their right. bots aren't going to be going out right. and reading my article someplace. Right. So. The other thing is that that same team that has been working on rebuilding the website yeah. is also been developing behind the scenes a process. A where new history of France? I did not put that on their schedule, no. <laughs> uh, but the um, they basically have been setting it up to where in case something did happen and we lose all these different mediums and have to even – relocate the website in a great big hurry uh they've been putting that together where that can happen yeah uh six months ago someone would have said wow you all sound conspiratorial and now it's like nope i didn't yep that sort of seems like a basic thing you got to do these days that's that's sort of sort of how it is so um but thank you scotty crawford for that i don't think um that i'm a national 
anything. Um, but I do appreciate uh, that fact. So anyway, um, <laughs> Rich has got some tin foil that he's <laughs> just got. God, he's going to wrap it around his head there. The conspiracies are all around us. Anyway, I was going to wrap up at the top of the hour. Went a few minutes uh, afterwards. Um, not planning on uh, on a program on Wednesday because I'm I'm going out and doing another solar show for homeschool kids. And I'm in, I don't know if you can tell, but I enjoy doing that. I enjoy talking to kids about God's creation. Because that's going to be true no matter what the governmental system is around us. Uh, those are things that remain true no matter what man does to himself here on this planet. And so while we have the opportunity to do so, I want to introduce them to some awesome stuff that God has done. And I'm really looking forward to the fall and the winter uh, where I can do some star shows and uh, show them planets and stars, show them Alberio and Andromeda, and uh, see if I can track down some some nebula forum and all sorts of fun stuff like that. That's um, uh, love our homeschool kids. Uh, we, um, uh, we started, did you start the music already? Okay. Um, we, uh, a couple weeks ago, we started doing what we've done in the past for the last song. We go up front and I just love seeing the children. Uh, we had, we have so many kids and, it's, you know, it's a funny thing, just one, 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 one thing. When I first started going there, and when I, first, when I would first preach there, before we went there, you hear the kids. If you're used to being in a church that has a nursery and child stuff and, and everything else, and it's as quiet as a tomb in there, then you hear the kids. And even when you're preaching, you hear the kids. It only took two or three weeks, and I don't hear the kids anymore. I do... But I don't in the sense of it having any level of distraction or anything like that. And so now it's just, I, I don't know what it would be like to just have a bunch of adults around. <laughs> it really wouldn't. And when we all sing the doxology to hear those little voices ripping into, into that, and some of you saw the uh, uh, program where my youngest granddaughter, uh, Jan- uh, January, uh, was uh, singing the uh, singing the doxology. Uh, Jeff said there was a little Chinese in it, but it was still it was still definitely recognizable as the as the doxology. Um, that was great stuff. That's 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 really that's really really neat. So I love having the chance to get to uh, talk to the kids and tell them about God's creation. It's it's a wonderful thing. So uh, I'll be doing that uh, tomorrow morning. It doesn't mean I couldn't get back in time. It just makes for a real rushed situation. And uh, so we'll be looking at Thursday, Friday. And by the way, uh, just if you are interested or are making plans or things like that, and for you, Rich, uh, the three weeks from now, the 22nd through the 26th, I might be able to do something on the afternoon of the 26th here, but we're going to have to find a way to do some remote broadcasting. So if that other stuff you were talking about might be a time to do some uh, testing of that uh, because I'm going to be um, up north. And uh, I normally am at this time of year, and you know why. I need I, – there's too much oxygen down here. <laughs> there's too much oxygen down here. Uh, I'm still hoping, still praying 
that the uh, final rides up in uh, July in Colorado are still going to make, that are not going to be put off. Um, and one of them that was put off, I've just I'm, I've created my own. I'm going to go up to Salt Lake City, and I'm going to I'm going to recreate it on my own. What else can I do? Because they they moved it back to September, and Lord willing, I'm going to be on a ship when the when it's taking place. There's not much I can do about it. Uh, but 22nd to 26th, we may be looking at figuring out how to make that uh, make that all happen. So uh, that will be coming up. But we're going to try to stick with you, keep doing as many programs as possible. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, that is useful to you. Thank you for listening today. Lord willing, we'll see you on Thursday. God bless.